introduced to him through ledge on dangerous conversations and became an immediate follower of him he's now doing his own show redacted tonight on fridays and also has his podcast and youtube channel which is the moments of clarity please everyone take a moment and look him up and other than that one thing that I was really intrigued about, you went to school at UVA? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, and Ledge is great, by the way. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've lived in New York for about the past 12 years. Basically went there right after college. I'm now in Washington, D.C. in order to tape this uh, the TV show, Redacted Tonight. But, yeah, I went to a group in Richmond, Virginia. Went to University of Virginia for school. Um didn't want to graduate, would have rather left to go do stand-up comedy full-time, but uh, figured I might as well not give my mother a heart attack, so uh, I graduated from UVA. <laughs> nice. So at least you have a little bit of a connection there with the Appalachian experience and all. What made you leave the Central Virginia area? Well, it was basically, and I, I think most young comedians uh, find this, it was, uh, where, where do you go to be a comedian? Um, I think that actually, in hindsight, being at UVA, being in college probably helped to kind of give me a small, to be the big fish in a small pond for a while, to learn in front of uh, small audiences that weren't looking for the best comedians in the world, you know? Basically, I could be a, a crappy comedian for a while. And then, you know, the books I was reading, you know, I was like 18, 19 years old. I was reading books on how to be a comedian. What do you do? Where do you go? And they all basically said, you got to go to L.A. or New York. Uh, you can do some stuff. That doesn't mean you can't be a good comedian in Atlanta or Chicago or something. But 
in order to get the, the bigger breaks, in order to do the bigger stuff, it's likely you're going to have to eventually find your way out to kind of New York or L.A. Um, I don't know, when I was making that decision between New York and L.A., I don't know if it's true or not, but I was told by several comedians, if you really want to be a stand-up comic, then go to New York. If you want to be a stand-up comic that's getting more acting gigs and kind of making your way in that way, uh, then go to L.A. Um, because you're going to find more stage time in New York. New York has more edge to it. And uh, I think, for me, that was the right choice because uh, I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to just do stand-up. I maybe did a little acting here and there, but I basically wanted to be a stand-up comedian. So... Um... Perhaps I misunderstood then previously with what I thought I knew about you. You're actually a Virginia boy by birth? Yeah, technically born in D.C., uh, uh, born at Walter Reed Military Hospital. And then until I was eight, I lived outside D.C. with my family. And then we all moved uh, to Richmond, Virginia from age eight till the end of high school, went to... Uh, and then went to uh, UVA. So yeah, a lot of Virginia. Um, you know, I, I I got the old the old Southern stuff in me. Uh, named after Robert E. Lee. Uh, went to Freeman High School where we were the Confederate Rebels. Was our uh, mascot. So uh, <laughs> there's plenty of South. <laughs> nice. No, I, I do apologize that I misunderstood that. For some reason, I thought you were a native New Yorker. No, just the past decade. Okay. And, well, would, I guess, would you compare yourself to John Stewart or Stephen Colbert or something that everyone else would understand? Because I know that's kind of more the liberal-leaning kind of idea about comedy and TV shows and all, but your Redacted Tonight to me is a lot more edgy than that, even. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, I would compare uh, what I do and what those guys do in a lot of ways, but I'd say the key difference is that they don't call themselves activists, and they when asked, so they'll say they're not activists, and Jon Stewart whether he means it or not, says in interviews that he doesn't even believe comedy can change anyone's mind. Um, I, on the other hand, very much want to change people's mind. I want to. I want to make a difference. It's you know, it's not my number one goal. My number one goal is laughter, but a very close second is uh, to make people informed on these issues and hopefully make them feel like they can be active and make a difference. Um, so I'd say that's the the probably the key difference between us, which speaks to to some of the the edge you're talking about i because i'm uh furious at where i think the world's going uh at the corporate uh pillaging of our entire society um i i want to tear those organizations down as much as i can with humor and and uh some anger as well but uh and and so i go after a lot of corporations i go after the the people that would be advertising if I were on other networks. So people ask me why I went to RT, um, and RT, I'm on RT America, why I went there. Well, basically, no channel that, that has advertisers, has corporations paying the bills, is going to have my stuff on there. I think that's uh, fairly a given. So that means that the, the options, if I were to have a TV show, are basically RT, you know, HBO, 
uh, C-SPAN in the home shopping network, <laughs> I think, are my, <laughs> my, my options. And C-SPAN doesn't work because then I'd have to do my show on the floor of the Senate, and the last time I did that, I got waterboarded. <laughs> so... It's it's pretty pretty slim pickings. HBO's not banging down my door, so I'm at RT because they let me say they basically said, "Will you come here and do the exact same thing you're doing on Moment of Clarity on your YouTube page? The same thing I've been talking about, same stuff I've been talking about for 15 years as a comedian, and uh, that, that's that's why I'm there. So so I think there is a lot more edge in that. I can uh, balls to the wall go after corporations um, and our corporate government. Uh, on a daily basis, or I guess technically a weekly basis, and uh, that's fine. Where and, and that's not to say John Stewart doesn't have an occasional Walmart joke, but I just don't think he can go. He couldn't go after Walmart with the force and the regularity that uh, that I would like to, um, without I imagine seeing some pushback from the higher up saying, "Hey, Walmart's a big advertiser on Comedy Central." No, 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 no. Um, wow. I, <laughs> I, I was actually just thinking while you were talking there, um, some people may not know what RT is. Yeah, RT used to stand, I think it was originally called Russia Today. It's funded by Russia, but just like the BBC has BBC America or whatever they call it here in the U.S., and they're, they're funded by, uh, largely by the U.K. government, and... Uh, and uh, uh, Al Jazeera, and uh, you know a lot of these a lot of these networks that are funded by government. So it it is technically a Russian-owned channel, but I've never like Russia's not my wheelhouse. I do an Amer I'm an American doing an American show on American channels to American viewers, and so that's what I talk about. I talk about America because that's what I know. Um, I I talk about issues that that are our influence around the world or things that are influencing our lives. And, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's what I've done for 15 years as a comedian. That's what I did on moment of clarity when I was doing it on my own on YouTube. Um, so they, you know, they basically said, will you come here and do exactly what you're doing? Well, and as far as the idea of moment of clarity for people that aren't necessarily initiated with that um how did that come about what what made you decide to start doing that um i just wanted a uh, i wanted to get out to a larger fan base obviously i've been doing the stand-up for a long time but i i just thought well maybe if i start you know because stand-up even if you are getting up every night of the week um you don't necessarily get that much stage time you you there's a bit of a more demand for like it has to be joke 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 um there's certain topics like if i even just say like you know let's give an example a very important topic to me is this trans-pacific partnership the tpp which obama's pushing that's the largest trade deal uh, ever in human history and a trade deal sound like some little boring things but in fact what this would do is give corporations kind of free reign over our entire country uh, as well as many other countries. And so th- that type of thing pisses me off, and that's what I want to talk about. But if you go on a stand-up stage and say Trans-Pacific Partnership, everyone goes to sleep or starts throwing things at you because they're there to be entertained, and so it's a little bit of a different atmosphere. So I just wanted a way to to still be funny. I'm still putting humor into those videos on YouTube, but um, to not have the demand of like, of like, I've got to be a, a silly entertainer, a wacky entertainer every second. Um, 
So it, it served multiple purposes. It was to get to a larger fan base, you know, like my average stand-up show in New York, if there's 100 people in the room, that's great, but then you do a YouTube video and 10,000 people watch it, and so there's a there's a lot a, a big difference in those numbers. So, and, and then finally, it was just a way for me to keep working the the muscle, kind of 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 writing every day, putting out new videos every day. I you know I had topics I wanted to address, so it was just kind of to keep growing that way. Nice. So, um, pardon me for asking this, and by no means do you have to address it if you think it's a completely stupid question, but it's ten and a half inches. Really? My okay. lord. <laughs> but no, um trying to be semi topical and the idea of it dropped off a little bit, but what are your thoughts on the whole thing that's going on with Bill Cosby? Oh, I I don't mind addressing that. I think it's I think it's really sad and it's disgusting and, and uh you know, I wouldn't if it were if it were three women, then I'd I'd spend more time saying, oh, well, let's let's wait until we see some more proof. But when it's twenty six women, I think I think that <laughs> we can we can make some analysis on what is going on here. Um, and and yeah, I think it's it's just phenomenally sad and 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 uh, obviously repulsive and. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I know that I saw a clip. I was watching a documentary on like kind of the history of the sitcom, and he, what he did, the, the shows he did were, you know, the Cosby Show and everything were just so monumental and so uh, important and everything, and so well done. And they were showing little clips of the Cosby Show, and it just made me stick to my stomach. It it really is. It's interesting uh, how you know an entire uh, an entire history can be tainted by by what was going on behind the scenes. I, I definitely, and I love the fact that you use taint in that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> my bad joke on this end. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, well, you know, the other interesting thing is that it's interesting how things bubble to the top. I mean, that's his his behavior should have been talked about. His his raping should have been talked about far earlier. You know, it was talked about a little in 2005 with that case that went on, but not really. Right, it was something I mean, basically, didn't it get settled quietly or something? And then, well, well, it did, it did ultimately get settled quietly, but there was an interview or two of like, you know, alleged victims on like today's show, but basically everybody, the rest of the media was just like, Oh, let's, let's not make a big deal out of this. Let's move on. And they probably had inside stories that they so they probably knew more than anybody else did, and yet still uh, said, "Oh well, it's Bill Cosby. Let's just keep it quiet." And and what it took was the you know kind of some weird viral moments of uh, a friend of mine named Hannibal Burris, comedian, who talked about it on stage, and then that video went viral, and then uh, you know Cosby's uh, PR machine made the mistake of creating a, a tweet, a Twitter meme creator that everybody was was using to to talk about his raping and uh and so that's kind of what finally made the media be like all right i guess we got to talk about it i mean that's the thing if you if you beat our mainstream media over the head with an issue eventually they'll talk about it just like how they wanted to ignore occupy for weeks until they were like all right i guess it was 700 people getting arrested i guess we got to talk about right. it right well um another thing that i've always i guess really liked 
your entire slant on things is you just brought it up there with Occupy. What are your thoughts about the idea of, I guess, a resurgence in the populace? Um, kind of another idea of, well, maybe there is another revolution that needs to go on. Yeah, I think we're we're getting to a a, a tipping point, a flashpoint. Uh, I don't think anyone can really deny it if they look at the writing on the wall. I don't, you know, will this be the type of revolution with pitchforks? Uh, I mean, I hope not, because a lot of people get hurt in in that type of thing. But um, hopefully, it'll be more of a a, a mental revolution, and and uh, people will realize that the system we're in puts a price tag on everything. It puts a price tag on how much cancer they can give you by t contaminating your water, how much testing should be done for GMOs, how much, you know, your air, your water, your land, everything has a price on it. They'll keep a, they'll keep a, a tire on a car for an extra year, as GM proved, whatever, a year ago, two years ago. They'll keep cars out on the road that are killing people because the, the, the price tag is, is too high to recall the car. I mean, that's, in, in a larger sense, we're we're dealing with that car in every sense of the way, you know, every way. We're 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 uh, destroying the planet with climate change. We're using up all the natural resources. Over the past forty years, we've killed. The estimates are we've fifty percent of the wildlife has disappeared. Um, so we're at a, a a tipping point. I mean, it can't go on much longer. And then there's uh, other ways we're at a tipping point in which we're creating a new bubble on Wall Street. It's hitting new all new all time high. Meanwhile, workers' rights are the lowest they've been in a generation. And, and so we're going to hit another bubble on Wall Street as well. I mean, a, a crash on Wall Street as well. So it's, it's all coming to a head. And, uh, you know, on top of that, we have new ways of communicating like never before with Twitter and Facebook and social networking. And, and people can get together and get angrier and, and realize their anger is shared by millions of people uh, around the world. So I think a lot of things are coming together, and you see the the powers that be are are nervous about this. That's why they want to lock down the internet, uh, make the internet less free, take away net neutrality, because um, they they know they've lost control of their ability to keep us uh, as uninformed. I mean, yes, a lot of people are still uninformed, but I think that is changing, um, and it's changing by you know your, your show and the stuff I do and. And little pieces here and there, people uh, waking up to the reality that we are living in a in a collapsing society, and the estimates now are that we have about two years left to keep global warming to at least only two degrees, to at least a level where most of the world, or or uh, you know, a large part of the world can remain habitable, um, and after those two years, it gets uglier and uglier. Well, as, as, um, as, as the devil's advocate, point. I do have to interrupt you there. Um, yeah, global warming and everything. My God, the gas prices came down. I, how is that not just the perfect thing for everyone? What do you mean the perfect the, thing? Finally, we've got more money in our pockets to spend. Yeah, I don't mind gas prices coming down. That's lovely. But, uh, you know, that's due largely to uh, the Arab countries uh, wanting to wanting to screw up the fracking industry because the fracking industry is threatening their, you know, OPEC and stuff like that. So 
there's a lot of market things that are interacting, which is causing gas prices to go down. But those gas, I mean, you know, we're, those gas prices will a go back up. You know, we are exploiting the final remnants of fossil fuels with the tar sands and everything else, using dirtier and dirtier fuel because it's the only kind we can get. Um, but that's not, you know, a, a couple more dollars in your pocket is lovely for a year or two, but as we continue to see all the wildlife disappear, it doesn't matter how many dollars you have in your pocket if there's nothing to eat. I, I, I fully agree. I was kind of baiting you on that, but let, let's <laughs> um, take a little step away from, I guess, serious topics. Um, just, I've never heard anyone ask you this, and for whatever reason, I think it would be the best thing ever. I've already heard that, and I'm I'm really uncomfortable <laughs> with that answer. <laughs> but um, what what is your biggest influence as far as music goes at this point? I, I... Uh, as far as music, well, for those listeners who don't know, I don't play any music, but there are there are musical influences, I guess. And I'd say the biggest ones are actually rap because I kind of listen to the wordplay and I think that made me use words differently in my in a lot of my stuff, especially in the Moment of Clarity stuff. I had some that were um, really designed to be, uh, you know, somewhat poetic, yeah, alliteration <laughs> and stuff like that that I that I like to, to use. So uh, I definitely had some rap influences, uh, Eminem and... Um, Immortal Technique were big ones. Uh, Brother Ali does some amazing stuff. But uh, yeah, so I'd say that's the type of music that influenced my comedy the most. Uh, in terms of music, I like. I mean, there, there, there's a there's a ton of of music and bands I like. Uh, love the Doors. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I I move around a lot on that. But uh, but the rap, I'd say, is is the stuff that has influenced my uh, comedy and my delivery on stage to some extent. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, let's see. I I mean, I'm 72. You're you're what? You were born in 80, 82? 80, yeah. Yeah, so a little bit of a difference, but I grew up with the same. Um, So I'm, I'm just wanting to get us back a little bit more towards Appalachia then is... Is there anything about that area that really set with you? I guess, even though you've moved on and now in D.C. had been in New York and all that, is there any kind of that sensibility that has just been part of your character? Well, I'd say I'd say the South definitely impacted me, uh, and and I still love it there. Um, I don't know. I can't necessarily pinpoint like how it impacted my comedy or, or things like that. But, um, I mean, I would say, I would say that probably being a, a Southern Jew gave me appreciation <laughs> for, uh, for being out of place <laughs> for, uh, for being, for being a bit unique and unusual. Um, I mean, uh, I'm an atheist now, but I, when you're, when you're a Jew, you're always a Jew. You're, you're not, they, they make it illegal for you to say I'm no longer a Jew. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I always did love the history. I, I, I loved the idea of being named after Robert E. Lee and, uh, and, you know, growing up with that. that and of course that doesn't mean, 
uh, I didn't criticize it in my stand-up, criticize the South or, you know, I, I had jokes about the South will rise again and stuff like that. Um, but I think that's part of what being an American is. I think the, the most patriotic thing you can do is criticize the things that are wrong about the society or, critic- or, or let's say the South, criticize the things that are wrong uh, because you appreciate that nothing that can be better, that that potential's there. Uh, I think the least patriotic thing is to say, no, it doesn't matter how bad things are or things we're doing wrong. I'm just going to wave a flag and never criticize anything. I think that's a, a closed-minded way to, to view our society. Certainly express your freedom of speech. I mean, <laughs> that, and, and that yeah. is what we're supposed to be allowed to do. But I, I, I know that our time is short. Um, is there anything that you would necessarily consider offering up as just a little bit of advice for people that feel like maybe they don't have a voice or maybe they're afraid to have a voice and a way to tell them, hey, yeah, shit's wrong. We all know it's wrong, but there's nothing wrong with actually expressing yourself. Well, I, I'd say the number one thing is don't be afraid to say things. I mean, people do have outlets now. That is the, one of the great things about uh, our internet world and Facebook and Twitter and everything. Um, people do have at least some outlets. You know, there, there was a time where if you didn't have a radio show or writing for a newspaper, you literally couldn't speak to anyone unless you walked up to them. Uh, so we do live in a time where there is more of a platform and I would say, just don't be afraid to piss people off on Facebook and, and don't, don't worry about what they say. Um, uh, I, I think that the important thing is to become informed, uh, and to do that outside of our mainstream networks. Um, our cable news is built on ratings and, uh, I feel like all anyone should need to know about uh, the regular news channels is that in the day after the Boston bombing, they CNN got its highest ratings in like a decade or something, crazy high ratings. And later it was proved by unbiased sources that 50% or over 50% of everything reported, every sentence said on CNN that day was wrong. But it didn't matter because... They got the ratings, so they're not going to fix that problem. So these, these networks are going for ratings, and they're going for things that uh, keep people dumb and consuming and in their place. And so you're not going to hear things from them that uh, tell you to step outside of that box, to think of new ideas, to think of ideas that are scary to the mainstream. So I think people have to become informed by other outlets and, you know, you can. some of these outlets are fun. You know, if you watch my show, it's a lot of comedy. You're going to get a lot of laughs, I hope, uh, if you watch Redacted Tonight every week. Um, and, you know, I have a newsletter and things like that. So you can get it through a comedy thing like mine. You can get it through. There's great, uh, there's great uh, uh, artists out there that do great art about these issues. You know, the, you mentioned bands and music. There's bands out there like Rooftop Revolutionaries and uh, Rebel Inc., uh, and many others, I can't name them all, but uh, they're that, that doing uh, songs that inform people. And and so I think it's just important to get your stuff out of the mainstream, ignore that shit, and, and then 
uh, if you think something's important, say it online and, and ignore the haters. Wow. I, I, I really appreciate everything you just said there. Um, and I know our time's about done, but please feel free to go ahead and tell everyone the best ways to connect with you, to just learn about the things that you're talking about. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, the show airs every Friday at 8 p.m. Now, if you don't have RT on your television, it's easy to watch online. Um, they go up on YouTube a couple hours after they air, so you can watch, and you can watch all our old episodes, too, at youtube.com slash redactedtonight. That's R-E-D-A-C-T-E-D, tonight. And my website, if it's easier to remember that, is just leecamp.net, L-E-E-C-A-M-P. I also have stuff that's not the TV show, like I have a new comedy special out, I have uh, books, I have CDs, um, so if you search iTunes, you'll find stuff by me. Um, so all that stuff's out there, and you can sign up for my newsletter as well, as well at uh, LeeCamp.net. Thank you so much for coming on, Lee. I mean... It's all right. That's not bad. And if you're ever in D.C., uh, please let me know, because we have a live audience, and we can grab a beer after and all oh, that dude. good stuff. I, I, that kicks ass. Appreciate it, and thank you again so much. I greatly appreciate the time that Lee decided to allow us to have with him, and... Uh, allow me to have the opportunity to introduce you to him to some degree please feel free to check him out lee camp l-e-e-c-a-m-p dot net and look up his podcast his youtube videos moment of clarity and beyond that i want to thank william once again my partner just for everything that we've been trying to put together with this and Check us out on iTunes and tune in under Appalachian Pie. Leave a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't. Um, contact us directly at appypie14 at gmail.com as well as on Twitter at appypie, A-P-P-Y-P-I. See you soon, and in the meantime, enjoy a little bit of mojo to end your day. You can't kill me, I will not die, not now, not ever, no, never.
want to ban my records. They won't tell me when I can drink and what I can drink. They want to ban drugs and sex and everything. People want to have a lot of rules. A lot of rules and regulations. But listen up. Listen up, Mr. Rules and Regulations. I ain't gonna obey it. What's up, man? I ain't gonna do what you say. Oh, you can put me in jail. You can kill me. You can execute me. But you can't kill rock and roll, man. I'll tell you another damn thing. I ain't eating no more fucking McDonald's either. I ain't gonna eat it no more. I ain't gonna eat it because it don't taste good. You know what? McDonald's can kiss my butt! McDonald's can kiss my butt. It's a great big hairy butt. Got a dingleberry hanging off my butt. McDonald's kiss my ass. You know, people say, Mojo, you're always complaining about everything. Why don't you vote in the election? Why don't you become involved in the electoral process? Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. Vote for Clinton, Mojo. It's going to make everything nice and new and neat. We got one fool, just as big a fool as the other fool. Ain't nothing changed. Same fools riding around in the black cars. We still riding around on the subway, riding around in the bus. We riding around in a 1978, you know, 1978 El Torino or some damn thing. Leaking all, ain't got no money. Gotta pay taxes, everything's screwed up. I ain't gonna take it no more. I'm gonna start an armed insurrection. I'm gonna go to Hills of West Virginia and I'm gonna liberate some guns from a National Guard armory. And I'm gonna start armed revolt because at some time in the course of human events it becomes necessary to disassociate yourself the ties that bind. I'm gonna break them ties. I'm gonna bust them up. So there I am standing around a campfire in the hills of West Virginia. And the flames are shooting up high. And I happen to be the head of the armed insurrection of Rebel Alliance. And I'm going to sing our brand new our brand new national anthem that goes something like this. You can't kill me. I will not die. Not now. Not ever. No, never. Wow. I'm going to live a long, long time. My soul is on. Let them fend for themselves. <laughs>